Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 14, No Wrong Choices. Welcome, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to start out by sharing that if I were to release outtakes or some kind of behind the scenes feature for this particular podcast episode, I have to imagine that it would be very entertaining for you because the process of trying to record this podcast today has been a mess. (laughs) Maybe a beautiful mess, but even still, a mess. I started trying to record this morning, today on this day that I have set aside as my podcast recording day, and I spent about an hour attempting to record, and I did not get an episode out of it. I had to stop and start and stop and start over and over, and it got to the point where I was actually acknowledging it within the recording, as I am doing right now. I would start the episode, I would say, welcome. To be honest, I've been trying to do this for about 20 minutes. And then it got to the point where I would say, welcome, I've been trying to do this for about 40 minutes. And then an hour had gone by, and at that point, I just had to put it down. My brain, my mouth, and my heart were not communicating well with each other, and I could not communicate well as I was speaking out loud and trying to record the episode. Um, And so I stopped, and I ate something, and I took a shower, and I saw my afternoon counseling client, and now I'm coming back to it. And... The wild energy from this morning when I tried to record is still present because, to be honest with you, even though I'm sitting in a slightly different place, I'm a little more grounded, I'm a little more awake, um, this is still probably, I'm not going to say how many, but I've still done several takes this afternoon on this second recording attempt, so it's still a little bit wild. Um, But even in the wildness of All that has transpired as I have tried to record this episode for you, there's a lot of gratitude. I'm grateful to be here and recording again because I didn't record last week. I did not release a new episode of Awareness Offerings last week because I was traveling. And I will take this as a moment to just share and acknowledge that I traveled out of the country. One of my first ever social media clients and a woman who is an incredibly powerful wisdom teacher and she is a teacher and a mentor to me in many ways. She put on a spiritual retreat in Jamaica this weekend. Her name is Lena Franklin. By the way, you can find her at I am Lena Franklin if you want to check out her work. Uh, But she taught a retreat in Jamaica. And so I went down to Jamaica at uh, the end of last week, Thursday of last week. It is now Thursday of the following week. So about a week ago, I left for Jamaica. And I went down there to work both as an assistant. I kind of 
helped took care of people and I helped hold space for the retreat. And I also was working in my capacity as a spiritual social media strategist. I was taking photos and video. I was making posts live from Jamaica and I was doing real time Instagram stories for both Lena and her partner while they were teaching. And so it was a big weekend. I also got to receive a lot because I was in the Caribbean and the energy of Jamaica is open and grounded and mystical. Um, But I'm also really aware that traveling right now is complicated because I'm recording this at the beginning of September 2021. The COVID pandemic is still with us. We have been living through a surge of the more dangerous, more contagious Delta variant. And so traveling is complicated and there are a lot of layers to traveling and it's it's not super straightforward. And as the host of Awareness Offerings podcast, of the Awareness Offerings podcast, I am aware that traveling has to be really intentional right now. And so what feels like the most conscious and aware thing to do is just to share that I took steps to be as safe as possible, even though there is no way to completely uncomplicate the idea of traveling internationally right now, the act of traveling internationally, I am double vaccinated. I have received four negative COVID tests, two before I left, one while I was in Jamaica and one yesterday, having been back in the States for a few days. And I wore my mask in all shared indoor spaces and all of the retreat activities were outdoors. So it just, it feels conscious to share that there were intentional steps taken um, to travel with awareness as I talk about the fact that I am, that I was traveling in a public way. Um, but I'm also aware that it's just, it's complicated right now. So I appreciate you sitting with me in that. But I did travel and that's the reason that we didn't have a new episode last week, which brings me back to the gratitude because I am grateful to be sitting here and recording now and even more grateful that you're listening. And if you'd like to support the show, as always, the best ways you can do so are by rating and leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast. That helps more people find the podcast. And if you feel called to share, whether on social media, with your people, what have you, I'm also really grateful for that. But just in general, I'm feeling an overarching sense of gratitude even in the wildness and maybe because of the wildness, feeling gratitude that I get to sit here and speak into this microphone and just share my thoughts and share my heart and share the tools of yoga as I understand them and to have them be received. And so I hope right now that you will receive the love and gratitude that I have for you as we get started with this episode. And without further ado, we will get started with our traditional opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time. And Om means consciousness. It's a Sanskrit word, and the Sanskrit language is one of vibration. So every word in Sanskrit has an energy, and the energy that each word holds is in some ways more important than the direct translation, than the direct meaning. So Om is the energy of consciousness, the energy of awareness. And when we sing it, we're calling on it. We're asking for more awareness. And both because this is the Awareness Offerings podcast and because we live in a complex and painful and weird world, asking for awareness feels like supportive and smart practice. 
As always, you can join me in this practice either by singing aloud or by listening silently. Both are forms of practice. And if you're coming along with me, I will invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You can close your eyes. You can gaze down the tip of your nose. You can gaze softly at the floor. Just do what feels supportive and what is safe for you to do in this moment. And then I'll invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose if nostril breathing is doable for you. Exhale fully, just using your breath to clear the path for consciousness. Inhale for one sound of OM. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And by now you know that I have traveled to get to this moment and I have been through a wild and messy recording process to get to this moment and here we are. And we'll get into this week's discussion. And the title of this week's episode is No Wrong Choices. And that title is inspired by a belief that I have recently discovered that I hold in just moving through some things in life and in my heart and doing some inner work, I have discovered that I, I believe something that I didn't know I believed up until now. And what I believe is that we don't make wrong choices. I believe that we don't make wrong choices. Now, if you have been listening to the podcast, if you follow me on social media, you probably know that whenever I make big generalized statements about life, I usually then explain them and qualify them. And I'm going to do that with this statement because I'm aware that you can't really make big, broad, generalized statements about life because we don't all experience life in a broad and generalized way. We all have a different experience of life, especially when you consider things like marginalization and all the identities that we hold So I try not to make generalizations and we don't make wrong choices is absolutely a generalization. So I'm going to unpack that and qualify that and explain that as much as I can. But first I'll share with you how I came to discover that I believe this. And it comes from discovering that a choice that I made in the past is feeling wrong to me. A choice I made in the past is feeling wrong to me. And if you have been following along with this podcast, you know that I have shared some about the romantic adventures that I have been moving through in my life. So I won't be shy in sharing about them again, because the choice that I made that I have discovered is feeling wrong to me was a breakup. Almost two, year, almost two years ago, I broke up with a partner whom I had been with for several years. It was really the longest and steadiest and really most stable relationship I'd ever had in a lot of ways. And it felt like what I wanted and needed at the time. There were 
reasons for it, some really straightforward and some very layered and complicated. Um, And so I broke up with them. And it's been a couple of years. I've moved through a lot of different seasons and phases of my life. I've evolved a lot. I have been through new romantic adventures. um, And having done all of that, I now have more time and space to reflect on that choice that I made to end that relationship a couple of years ago. And part of the reason that I have all this time and space is because now I am not romantically attached to anyone. I'm actually the most single that I have been pretty much in my entire adult life. And so there is more time and space for me to feel the feelings around this breakup and this person than I have had before. And so they're coming up. And I am realizing that there are feelings that I have that I did not give myself the time and space to feel that are really, really real. (laughs) And I'm feeling them now. And I'm aware that part of it is very likely just being single and having time, more time to reflect than I did before and being aware that I miss this person, which is natural. But as I have kind of retraced back to that relationship and reflected, I've realized there's something a little bit deeper (laughs) going on there because it hasn't just come up like a fleeting memory or thought of this person and the realization that like, oh, I miss you. And I think about it for a moment and then I kind of let it go and it fades to the background. It's been a pretty persistent and strong feeling for several weeks now of both missing this person and loving this person and really coming to some realizations. I have realized that my connection to this person is deeper than perhaps I was able or willing to see when I broke up with them a couple of years ago. I'm realizing that they mean more to me than I was able to see then. And I'm realizing that I may not have been seeing them very clearly in that moment, in that time when I broke up with them. And I was probably not seeing myself or my life very clearly. And so all of this has culminated in a lot of just heart stuff happening because I realize that I very much still love this person. Um, I realize that I want them in my life again. Um, I realize that, as I alluded to before, we have a connection that is, or at least I have a connection to them. I can't speak for them, which matters, right? It's important to acknowledge that. But I have a connection to them that is more profound than I was able to see. And it's been the process of reflecting on and discovering that I have these thoughts and feelings that has made that decision to end the relationship feel like a wrong one. But through feeling both the feelings I have for this person and my own reaction to the feelings, I have also come to discover this belief that I don't think we can make wrong choices. And There's been a couple of steps that have led me to this point, to this idea that there are no wrong choices. And the first has been about shame. Because when I look at the decision that I made as if it is wrong, 
I've discovered that that actually carries an element of shame in it, as if I have done something bad, as if I have broken something or kind of irrevocably messed something up um, by making this decision. And the more that I sit with that, the more that it doesn't feel like that's the case. First of all, simply because this is one of the healthier breakups I've ever had. There was a lot of good communication. There wasn't a lot of anger. Um, Of course, there were issues and, and both of us as humans showed up in ways throughout the relationship that were imperfect as we all do, but there wasn't anything wrong or shameful about this. Even though some of my reasons for ending the relationship were complex, I am making the conscious choice not to see myself as shameful for making that choice because I can remember the version of myself from two years ago and it that choice was something that she wanted and needed at the time for her own reasons and it happened it couldn't really play out any other way and it was obviously something that that version of myself needed to step into and fulfill within herself so i am taking the posture of no wrong decisions as a way of really rejecting shame around how i choose and have chosen to move through the world. And I'm both not shaming myself and I'm not shaming the present moment because to suggest that the choice I made was wrong is to really kind of fight against presence and reality by saying it could have played out another way. And the truth is it just couldn't have. And that kind of leads me to the second step that brought me to this belief of no wrong choices was just releasing value judgments, both for myself and kind of around the grand scheme of life and the universe, Um, releasing this need to make value judgment, especially around decisions. I've seen a lot of different things on like social media and I've read a lot of different things about the choices that we make and those things have inspired some of the reflections that I'm sitting with now about how it's kind of this this the idea that we have to make value judgments around our choices it's kind of rooted in falseness it's rooted in this idea that there is one door or the other and one leads us to bliss and the other leads us to doom and as i say this out loud really for the first time i'm coming to the understanding that is that's possibly rooted in like judeo-christian values i was raised in the christian church so i feel like i can say this (laughs) and call it out a little bit this idea of like heaven and hell good and bad right the doom door or the bliss door This idea that we can make one choice that will lead us to bliss and another to doom doesn't actually have to be true and may not even be rooted in reality. Instead, it's possible, and these thoughts are not entirely my own. It's It comes from my own heart and reflections, but again, it's inspired by different things that I've read from different creators and writers and teachers and beautiful folks on the world of uh, social media. But... It's possible that the choice we make is just a choice. And then the universe in its infinite wisdom with its energy of constant transformation and aliveness, the universe simply recalibrates. 
It recalibrates around whatever door we take to bring itself and by proxy us back into homeostasis. Maybe the stakes are not as high as we think they are. And maybe that's a reflection of us taking ourselves too seriously to think that there could be a right choice and a wrong choice, a right door and a wrong door. Maybe we can release the value judgment and say, okay, this is what it is. And there will be a recalibration either way. And I'm willing to accept whatever the recalibration is, whether that brings me um, growth and beauty or difficulty, right? I'm willing to accept it, but it doesn't have to be this value judgment. And so the two steps I've taken on the pathway to the belief of no wrong choices are releasing shame and releasing value judgment. Releasing shame and releasing value judgment. And again, that applies both to me, to us on an individual level, and it kind of applies on a universal scale where we we don't shame life, we don't shame or fight against the present moment, and we don't try to make value judgments on the universe and the way that life calibrates itself, because really, who are we to even do that? So there's actually a lot of humility in saying that there are no wrong choices because we realize that we don't actually know. We don't actually know. And there's an openness and a willingness, again, to just accept what unfolds when we make the choice we make and the universe and life and God or whatever you want to name it recalibrates accordingly. And that's personally where I'm at to touch back in on the the very personal story that has led me uh, into this discussion. I made the choice that I made and life has calibrated accordingly. And right now it hurts. <laughs> I have so many feelings. I have a lot of longing and it kind of sucks in a lot of ways. There's also a lot of beauty. There's realization of deep connection and deep love. And I'm always grateful, always got to be grateful for love. But it kind of sucks right now. And I have to say, okay, this is the result of the recalibration from my choice. And I'm in that. And I'm not sure how it will unfold moving forward, but I'm in it. I'm not going to shame or value judge, but here it is. <laughs> I'm in it. And so the way that I've been phrasing it to myself, because over and over I learned that words have power, both when we say them out loud, say them in our mind to ourselves, write them down. Words are um, kind of a form of energetic magic, I really do believe, to get a little woo-woo on you here. Um, but... The way I've been using the power of my words to frame this to myself is I don't think we make wrong choices, but knowing the information that I now know, I would not make that choice again. I don't think we make wrong choices, but knowing the information I know now, I would not make that choice again. And it really does feel, it can seem really subtle, but it feels like there's a world of difference between I fucked up. I made the wrong choice. I did something wrong. I am angry at myself. I'm ashamed. I have regret. It feels like there's a world of difference between that and I wouldn't make that choice again. Because that feels more close to reality. Close to the messy, open, humble reality of I didn't, know no- I didn't know then what I know now. I made a choice. There was a recalibration. 
I don't love where that recalibration has led me, but I'm still in it. I don't think we make wrong choices, but I wouldn't make that choice again. So now that I have opened my heart and my mouth a lot to explain to you how I have arrived at this newfound belief of, I don't think we can make wrong choices. Now's the part where I get to qualify it, (laughs) where I have to qualify it and really explain it to you. Um, Or just explain it in general and, and offer context. That's the word I'm looking for. Offer context for this. Because again, I don't think we can just make these big generalizations without giving context. I don't think we can make wrong choices when it comes to our own personal path. When it comes to choosing to do this thing or that thing for us and how we will move through our lives. I think that becomes more complicated when it directly affects the well-being of other people. Now, of course, when we make choices about our own lives, since we are so interconnected and so many of our choices involve relationships, as my choice very much did, that does still affect the well-being of another person. And so it's not cut and dry. Um, But when the primary intention of the choice is around us taking one path or the other, choosing one thing or the other, I don't think we can make wrong choices. But when it comes to making choices that directly affect the well-being of other people, it gets much more complicated, especially living in this time that we're living in of, of COVID. Our choices absolutely affect other people. And if we have symptoms of COVID and we decide to go into a restaurant and not wear a mask, it's pretty... It feels straightforward to say that's a wrong choice because it has the potential to very directly harm other people. So I think what I'm arriving at is that we don't make wrong choices, but we have to be aware of what the intention is behind it. Is the intention about how we will move in our own path and what's the potential for harm there? So we always have to stay aware. And now that I've done so much talking (laughs) to really lay out for you, one, how I even got to the space of recording this episode because I traveled and then I messed it up a bunch of times. And then two, how I arrived at this new belief of mine that we don't make wrong choices by moving through the messiness of my romantic life. It's a lot of talking. Now it's time. It's time for embodiment, y'all. It is time for practice. So this is the time in awareness offerings where we sit for meditation. So if you are doing something that makes it not feasible for you to sit in stillness and meditate, this might be a good time to pause the episode and come back when you can sit. And if you're coming along with me, once again, I will invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You can find a comfortable seat, which is any seat where you can lengthen your spine and your spine is upright. Lengthen because the spine is the central channel of the body. It's like the central power line where all of our energy moves and all the signals that go, you give information to our nervous system move. So when it's upright, there is a flow and a connection um, that is conducive to kind of deep awareness. So upright or excuse me, when it's long, <laughs> when the spine is long, it is uh, creates that flow and connection upright because we just don't want to fall asleep. <laughs> and I, as I often say, I will never judge you for falling asleep during meditation if that's what your body needs. But typically for consciousness practice, we try to stay conscious. So we sit up to stay awake. 
But whatever else you do to get your body into a comfortable seat is completely up to you. I am a firm believer that there is, just like we can't make wrong choices, we can't sit wrong for meditation. There's no wrong seat. So you might sit on the floor. You don't have to, but if you do, I would highly encourage you to put something under your tailbone, whether it's a pillow, a block, a blanket, just get your hips higher than your knees, which can be really supportive for your hips and lower back. You can also sit with your back against the wall for back support. You can put blocks or pillows or props under your knees for leg support. You can sit with your legs crossed, kind of a classical, well-known meditation posture, but you don't have to. You can sit with your legs extended, one leg extended, your knees bent, feet on the floor. You can even sit on your heels. And you don't even have to sit on the floor. You can sit in a chair. You can sit on your bed. You can position your arms and legs however you need to, to just find your comfortable seat with your spine upright and long. So once you find it and you settle into your body, I'll invite you to close your eyes or gaze down the tip of your nose or gaze softly at the floor. You're doing whatever you need to do, whatever feels comfortable for you to turn your gaze toward yourself, to release the external stimuli, everything that you have to take in from the outside world to put that down by looking toward your inner landscape instead for these next few moments. Your inner landscape is the ground upon which meditation happens. This practice of self-connection, self-awareness, self-knowledge, and then eventually self-transcendence, releasing all the things about the self we are attached to so that we can just be as deep and quiet and real as possible. It all happens in the inner landscape. So you close your eyes or soften your eyes to turn toward yourself. It also helps to turn toward the breath. So maybe you start to bring your awareness to the patterns of your breathing. Inhaling through your nose. And exhaling through your nose if you can. Your own pace. Nothing has to change. You don't have to do anything with your breath. You don't even have to think that hard about it. You just turn toward it. Just like you turn your eyes toward yourself, you turn your focus toward this fundamental rhythm of life that moves through you, your breath. Breath awareness regulates the nervous system. It gives us something rhythmic and grounded to start to settle and kind of dial down any wildness, any stress. So starting to settle yourself into your practice on the level of your nervous system. It settles us into the present moment because the breath is only happening now. It is not happening in the past, not the future, right now. So noticing the breath is inherently a practice of noticing the present moment. So starting to settle into presence as well. The breath is also a tool for the mind. It gives us something to concentrate on that is less wild and busy and loud 
and sometimes stressful than the mind. It gives us something else to listen to. And one of the goals of meditation, one of the intentions, I should say, of meditation is not to turn off the mind. So if you continue to have thoughts in this practice, you can release any judgment or shame around that. It's not to turn off the mind. It's to rediscover the place within us and all around us that is deeper, more real, and more expansive than the mind. And the breath is the first and most accessible place we can do that. So as you continue to listen to your own breathing, watch your own breathing. It's also a way of stepping out of the mind and getting a little quieter. You can even use the mind to help that happen. Just inhaling, aware that I'm breathing in, saying those words to yourself. Exhaling, aware that I'm breathing out. Just focusing your mind on the reality of breath. So you have all the tools you could possibly want to try to settle. Inhaling, aware that I'm breathing in. Exhaling, aware that I'm breathing out. It's a technique that I first learned from Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. My own spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, often shares it, and I've shared it before on this podcast. So we start here, just making the simple and powerful choice to try to step out of the mind and into the moment, inhaling, aware that I'm breathing in. Exhaling, aware that I'm breathing out. And I've been taught by that very same teacher of mine, Swami Jayadevi, an urban yoga monk here where I live and learn in Atlanta, that the present moment is neutral. It's actually not blissful, although bliss is something that we often work toward and work with in spiritual and yogic practice, which is what all of my offerings are based in, especially this podcast. Um, The present moment is actually not blissful and it's not painful. Those are both qualities we experience in this wild dance of being human on earth and alive, but the moment itself is neutral. And so in this container of this episode that we're sharing together, where we're working with releasing shame and releasing value judgment around our choices, that idea of no wrong choices, touching into the present moment is the most powerful way we can embody that work and that teaching. Because the present moment itself is a space where shame can't live, value judgment can't live, 
They can live in our minds. They can live in this world, but in the clear reality of the present moment, they can't because it's neutral. The present moment is the ground upon which we release shame and value judgment to live from a place of neutral reality, which is a place of openness. And so we're going to go into a breath practice to clear some things so that we can be a little clearer and more open to make contact with the neutral present moment. We're going to do a bastrika breath or bellows breath. Bastrika is the Sanskrit word for bellows and bellows, the bellows, is this accordion-like tool that blacksmiths would use to pump oxygen into a fire. So it's that big accordion that pumps in and out. And if you've ever seen an accordion, the the space in between the two handles that pumps in and out is also called the bellows. So that's what we're working with here. And our lungs and ribs are actually going to become the bellows as we do this breath. And it is a clearing breath. It's a cousin or a sister or a sibling to the breath of fire, uh, which is a really powerful belly pumping breath that's often practiced in yoga. This is like a slow burn fire breath. It's a little slower. It's a really powerful breath, powerful inhale and exhale. And I've been taught that it clears our emotional history. So just like the bellows, you know, the blacksmith uses the bellows to pump oxygen into a fire. We are also intentionally pumping oxygen into our internal fire in our belly in order to clear away our emotional history, clear all of the tension, all of just the stuff that we pick up and accrue as we move throughout the world. It's natural to pick those things up, but we are more empowered to make clear contact with the neutral present moment when we intentionally work to clear some of that stuff away. So that's what this breath does. And like I said, it's a strong breath, but it's more about the power than the pace. So you can really use your own discernment and take this in a supportive way, which might mean you go really slow. It might mean you take breaks. It's a really invigorating breath with these deep inhales and exhales. So if you start to feel dizzy, you can pause and tuck your chin towards your chest to reground yourself. But it's a deep breath in through the nose, expanding your lungs and ribs outward in both directions as you do. So it's big inhale, powerful exhale, almost like you're blowing your nose in slow motion and you contract your belly as you do it. So there's a lot of sound with it. You might even take your pointer and thumbs, pointer finger and thumbs, and put them on your ribs so you can feel your ribs moving as you go into this breath. Deep breath in, expand the bellows. Strong breath out and squeeze and contract a little. Your pace. Keep going. You can keep your hands where they are or release them to a comfortable spot.
three more. One more. Exhale as long as you can without force. Pause with the breath held out, only if that feels okay for you. Just to let all of that kind of invigoration and oxygenation settle. And then when it feels natural and right to you, just let the breath come back in and do what it does. No need to change the breath right now. And just use all the noticing and settling that you did at the beginning of this meditation to notice how you feel after your first round of bastrika, bellows breath, pumping oxygen into the internal fire of your belly to clear your emotional history and clear you to make contact with the present. You might feel kind of a swirling, vibrating happening with all that invigoration and just taking all that oxygen in at once, it's natural. But just just notice whatever you do feel as an act of presence. Grounding. And now I'm going to take us through one more round of that breath. If you're already feeling cleared enough and it's, excuse me, feeling like you've done what you need to do and there's a lot, lot moving, a lot happening, you can just continue to notice the pace of your breath as it is now. Or... Big breath in, expand the bellows of your lungs and ribs. Strong exhale, like blowing your nose in slow motion, squeeze a little. More about the power than the pace, go at the pace of your own breath. Three more. Last one. Longest exhale you got. Squeeze a little, squeezing out anything that can be released right now. Pause with the breath held out only if that feels okay. You don't have to. But if you can, just let it settle before you take in any more oxygen Just let your body acclimate itself to all the oxygen you just took in, all the clearing you just did. And then at your pace, let your breath come back. Do what it does. Notice. You might bring to mind something that feels like it could be let go in order for you to make more contact with the present moment. You know what it is. And there's no wrong choices. So whatever comes to mind instinctually for you, see it, feel it, acknowledge it, and know, or at least imagine that that powerful clearing breath has done something to clear what needs to go for you so that you can make contact with the present moment. And as you notice yourself now, as you notice the bodily bodily sensations you feel after that pranayama, that breath practice. 
as you notice the emotional realities you're working with, whatever they may be right now, as you notice the energy you're feeling, as you notice the physical presence of your body sitting, the air on your skin, any sounds you might be hearing right now, as you notice these things, you notice all the different qualities that make up the present moment as it is right now. And perhaps you invite it to embrace you. You might even say in your mind, embrace me, present moment. Embrace me, present moment. Inviting it to embrace you as the neutral reality that it is. No value judgment. No shame. Just the deep and quiet reality of your soul, yourself, the sacred, whatever you name it, who you are when what keeps you from the present is cleared away. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Sigh through your mouth to ground yourself. Two more like that. One more. And then you can start to blink your eyes open. You can start to move your body a little. Just coming back from that space of formal meditation, but not losing the effects of the meditation, not losing everything that you cultivated for yourself in meditation. Maybe continuing to be curious about that relationship with neutrality and presence, which are kind of the antidotes to shame and value judgment. I am incredibly grateful to have shared this practice with you. I'm also going to give myself a shout out for finally getting this episode recorded. But on a deeper level, it matters that you are willing to make contact with the present moment so that you can then be present to this world as it is, um, to anyone who's suffering, to the people that you love. Um, Presence matters. So I appreciate being able to share the space of presence with you.
Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram.